others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. The first verse of our passage today sets the tone for the entire chapter. Focusing on three particular spiritual practices, Jesus admonishes us to practice, practice our Christian faith with humility and grace and to seek in all things an audience of one rather than an audience of many. Let us pray. Holy God, we have come here today to worship you, to sing to you, to pray to you, and to hear from your holy word, Lord. Open our ears and eyes to hear what you may have for us today. Open our hearts to receive you, Lord. And may my words and the thoughts on my heart be pleasing to you, Lord, and only to you. In Jesus' name. So if you'd like to turn along in your Bibles and follow along, you can. Our Pew Bible is on page 684. Matthew 6 is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that begins in chapter 5 and ends in chapter 7. It's not necessarily one long sermon. It's a series of teachings of sermons with one central theme, how to live as faithful, righteous, humble, followers of Jesus, and then proclaim the kingdom of God. Chapter 5 includes the Beatitudes, those eight blessings that Pastor Jose had preached on a couple weeks ago, the salt and light imagery that we are supposed to be, the command to love both neighbor and enemy, attributes that describe our new way of life as followers of Jesus, as people who are to resemble and reflect the light of Jesus Christ. In chapter 6, Jesus moves into this next level of discipleship and focuses on three spiritual practices, giving to the needy, praying, and fasting. Three of the most essential expressions of Jewish piety. So Jesus' audience that day was made up of people who were already practicing these disciplines. He wasn't calling his listeners to start giving to the needy or start praying and fasting. Rather, he was calling them to understand the right attitude needed to perform these devout spiritual acts for the exclusive glory of God. Now, public expressions of our faith can and do bear witness to the gospel, but if they are only done to bring glory to ourselves and not to grow the kingdom, of God, then they are fleeting. Now let's consider Matthew 5, 16. Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. But now in chapter 6, Jesus is saying, don't practice your good deeds in front of others. What's the difference? What's the concern? This is a matter of the heart. We are called, required even, to proclaim the gospel in such a way as people notice, but not notice us, notice God. Jesus calls us to be the salt of the earth. Jesus empowers us to be light to the world, proclaims that we are a city on a hill. 
whose light shines for the whole community. Salt adds flavor. Light illuminates the darkness. A city on a hill causes us to look up. They're noticeable in a way that should and does turn people to God and away from us. In our spiritual life, as we develop as followers of Jesus, we must embody attributes of this same quality of salt and light and turn people to God through our good deeds of praying, of fasting, any number of spiritual disciplines that are required of the Christian life. If you are doing good deeds to please others and draw attention to yourself, well then, of course, you, we, chosen the easy, short-lived reward and missed out on God's kingdom work, his everlasting reward. Don't we desire that? Something that is not temporal, but that is eternal? If we do a righteous and charitable act for the applause of the people, then Jesus is saying we should just sit back and enjoy that applause to the full because when it ends, it ends. There is no reward in heaven for the one who seeks an earthly reward. But if we do a righteous and charitable act for the pleasure of God, then our heavenly reward is eternal. It's immeasurable. It fills us up from everlasting to everlasting. Jesus instructs the people to check their motives at the door and give out of love for neighbor and even for enemy. Give generously because people are in need, not to show how generous we are. And Jesus says, but when you give to the needy, he's not telling them to do it in the first place, right? He assumes his followers will give to those who are poor and are suffering. It is part of the Christian life. Instead, Jesus teaches the right way to give in secret, seen only by God the Father. In fact, don't even left, let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Do not dwell proudly on your giving. Give and let it go. Let God be so present in the midst of our giving to those who are in need that we lose sight of ourselves. Again, Jesus says, when you pray, he is speaking to his beloved followers, teaching them not something new. We should be praying. We should be giving. But a new way to do it, shaping human hearts to better reflect the heart of God. And we do, not, we do not come here today surprised that praying is a part of our Christian life, our Christian discipleship. But let's be encouraged that God is doing a new thing, and we are invited to be a part of it in our lives and in our prayers. So Jesus continues, not only should we not draw our attention to ourselves in our prayer, but we should go into our rooms, close our doors, and pray to God in secret. No one should even know. It should be only apparent that we are praying people 
in how our prayer life has changed us to be the salt and light that Jesus expects of us, requires of us, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray because God invites us to pray. It's a privilege. It's not to show off our own spirituality. A righteous prayer that is focused on God equips us as disciples, as disciples of Christ that are equipped by God, focused on God, we then can serve others. Righteousness the world emulates is loud. It's brash. It's showy. The world tends to cheer on what it can see, what it can hear. So whatever is loudest, whatever is most showy, is going to get the most attention. But it's short-lived attention. The righteousness that God seeks in our giving, in our prayer life, and in all of our spiritual acts of devotion, it's gracious. It's quiet. It's faithful. Now we get to verse 7, and again Jesus says, when you pray, and he gives some specific instructions. Don't be babbling like pagans, heard because of their many words. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, sometimes I'm reminded of something else in contemporary life. So immediately when I read this, I was reminded of a song from the musical You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Now, if you haven't already seen it, it's an absolute delight. And I can imagine you know about it in a certain way from the iconic comic strip by Charles Schultz. So this musical has all the cast of characters you know. Charlie Brown, of course, Lucy, Linus, Schroeder, of course, Snoopy. And so in, this, in the musical, in this particular song, it's called The Book Report on Peter Rabbit. So Lucy, Linus, Charlie Brown, Schroeder, the whole gang, the whole class is standing across the stage. For they have been given the assignment by their teacher to write a book report on Peter Rabbit, hence the name, with a specific word count. And this is a bit daunting to them. And if you've ever had to do that for school, I imagine you can relate. So there they all lined up on stage and they're doing their best efforts to complete this assignment with enough words. So we begin with Schroeder. You remember him. He's the one who plays Beethoven on the little toy piano. Well, he is writing his book report on Peter Rabbit and he is totally stumped. So he goes off on this whole side story about Robin Hood and little John and the sheriff of Nottingham and it's very exciting and adventurous and swashbuckling and lots of things happen except nothing is really about Peter Rabbit and then of course there's Linus the blanket holding little brother of Lucy who is actually kind of the sage of the group well in his attempts to get to the word count he gives a lengthy and rather technical discourse on the sociological implications of an otherwise moral rabbit who suddenly turns to crime and steals from the garden. And then, of course, there's a foil character of Mr. McGregor, viewed as both justice-seeking farmer and kind humanitarian. He eventually gets to his word count. Lucy tries to get to the word count by listing as many vegetables as she can think of that were in the garden. There were carrots and spinach and onions and lettuce and turnips and parsley and okra and cabbage and tomatoes and potatoes and asparagus and cauliflower and rhubarb. 
and chives. And she gets to her word count. And it's a fun song. And yet, as we make the leap to scripture, and I hope you find many moments in our contemporary life that always lead you back to God. So as I listen to the song, and it leads me back to our scripture, I think it was a fun song, but did all those extra words really add to the retelling of the simple and pastoral story of Peter Rabbit? Or were they just added to check the box, to be dramatic, to show off one's knowledge of something unrelated to the story of life. Do not be like them, Jesus says, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. We don't pray to tell God things that he did not already know before we told him. We pray because God has invited us into relationship with him. It's a joy. It's a comfort. It's a necessity. He has told us that we can bring every need and every worry to him, and we can trust that he will meet all of our needs. He will answer all Think of my own simple prayers in time of crisis when I can hardly put two words together. But I trust in God's faithfulness to listen and hear and respond to my most plain yet heartfelt prayers. I trust because I trust in his holy word and the testimonies that have gone before me in the Bible and from people that I know people that testify to God's faithfulness in their times of crisis. Help me, Lord. Help me. Hear me, Lord. Hear me. How long, Lord? How long? Save us, Lord. Save us. We do not need to impress God with many words. We don't need to pray loudly so others hear us. We only need to draw near and stay near to God, our loving Father in heaven. And with a simple obedience, walk and talk daily with him. The Lord's Prayer is the pattern for our prayer life. It reflects the posture of humility, obedience, reverence, and trust that we must take before God in our prayers. How grateful I am that in this church community, we pray that prayer together every week. Our Father in heaven, it takes us back to verse 1, doesn't it? Our reward is from our Father in heaven. Our Father. We have a relationship with God. In heaven, we remember to have a posture of humility and reverence before him. This, then, is how you should pray. In the Lord's Prayer, there is no room for promoting ourselves. We seek God's name. 
We seek God's kingdom. We seek God's will. Even in asking for provision for our daily needs, we recognize that it is from God only. Forgiveness for ourselves, as well as our ability to forgive, that's from God only as well. Strength in the face of temptation, only God can provide these for us. Forgiveness is so important in the Christian life, and yet often so difficult that Jesus goes back to it. After he finishes the Lord's Prayer, he returns in verses 14 and 15. He admonishes us that we can only experience God's forgiveness in our lives if we willingly give it to others. If we desire to be in a relationship with God, we must be willing to give and receive forgiveness. It's not an option. Forgiveness is a necessity. Finally, Jesus turns to another spiritual discipline, that of fasting. It's a spiritual act of humbling oneself before God and seeking God's grace and forgiveness. But if it is only an outward act intended to draw attention to oneself, then it's insincere and it's not worth anything. God seeks and rewards us in our acts of piety if they are motivated by a desire to please him only him. Again, he calls us to do these spiritual acts in secret, therefore keeping it for God only. So while all of these acts, giving to those in need, praying, fasting, can and do bring glory to God, in this chapter, Jesus is calling us to be attentive to the motives behind our good deeds and spiritual practices. Why are we doing it? That is the concern. We must not seek human praise in anything we do, though it seems so easy and enjoyable in the moment, but rather have faith that God will reward us. And those rewards will stay with us. They have longevity, friends. We must do all things for the glory of God and strive for that audience It's tempting to choose the glory of the world because it's immediate and it's exciting. But friends, we are here because we seek something that carries us throughout our lives. Not the quick fix. Something that can be there in times of crisis, in sorrow, in times of great abiding need. That is what we seek, something immeasurable, eternal, everlasting. We seek a lifetime of being seen and loved by God, rather than a fleeting glance from the world. When we seek to please our Father in heaven, we receive the rewards of heaven that have this everlasting value and power. When good deeds are done purely for show, God cannot own them. God cannot reward them. God accepts and recognizes only what is done in his name for him and in service of his people. The Sermon on the Mount is about how to live as faithful, righteous, and humble followers of Jesus. And because of that, proclaim the kingdom of God to everyone we meet. It's about God, 
It's about honoring God in all that we do. Jesus is inviting his followers, he's inviting us to a life in which inside and outside our hearts and our actions are the same because they are focused on God, our audience of one. To be light to the world isn't to show others all the great things they are doing for the kingdom or to seek their praise and their applause, their recognition, but to seek the glory of God alone. And even if we don't feel worthy, we're especially equipped for the task. If we trust in God and let his Holy Spirit fill us up, then we can do the tasks of the kingdom of God. Then our righteousness will shine for the world to see, and we will grow the kingdom of God. God the Father's interest for us and for our kingdom work is to love neighbor and enemy alike, to give to the needy, to pray for God's will to be done, to pray for God to help us, to forgive to guard us in our temptations, provide our daily needs. Trust in him today, friends. As you go out today in your week, trust in God. Then we will have our reward from our Father in heaven. It is through humility, grace, obedience, faithfulness, and this trust in God. This is how we practice our Christianity. And when we practice our Christianity that way, then we show the light of Christ to the world. And all will know him because of his love in our lives that is reflected in our actions, in our deeds, and in our thoughts, revealing to others Jesus We're going to go now to a time of quiet and prayer as we reflect on what Lord, the Lord is saying for us and to us today. And out of that 